Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan. And oh my God, what are we even recording right now? Uh, episode 123. Uh, episode 123. Welcome I think, back. I think. I don't even know. I, no, it is because we put out 122. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good deal. Good um, freaking deal. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Thursday. Happy Thurs. Hope everyone got their coffee in their hands. Mm, it's going to be a great day. I'd love day. to know if our listeners were Dunkin' people or Starbucks people or home, co- home at coffee. Home at coffee? <laughs> coffee at home people. Uh, or Nespresso or Keurig. Yeah, what are you guys? Okay, maybe we do a poll. Yeah, okay. So if you're not at home coffee, okay. You guys get what the fuck I'm trying to say. <laughs> if you're not a home coffee person, are you Starbucks or are you Dunkin'? And if you are a home coffee person, are you a Nespresso or a Keurig? Or iced coffee. Or an iced coffee. Yeah. Or a Mr. Coffee. Or a Mr. Coffee. We were, a Mr. We were Mr. Coffee Gals Mr. in college. Coffee Girls. <laughs> Can't even. <laughs> oh, okay. this is going to be a great episode. Uh, clearly. My brain is just not functioning today. But, okay, what are you if you're out and about? I already know your answer. If I'm out and about, it depends on the day. Like, if it's, if it's a day that I am, you know, wanting flavor, like, not just the taste of coffee, Duncan. I'm going to go to Starbucks. Oh. Yeah. Because Starbucks, I get, like, chocolate in it. I do almond milk, right. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I go to Dunkin', I get a medium iced coffee with one pump of sugar. And that's, I mean, one pump of, dear God, cream. I don't get any sugar, no yeah. sugar. See, if I want either just like a generic iced coffee, mm-hmm. I'll go to Dunkin'. Or if I want a chai tea, a dirty chai, mm. I'll go to Dunkin'. And also, if I'm craving like breakfast foods, I go to Dunkin'. Yeah. Like if I want something with it, I like Starbucks breakfast foods, but like also they disappoint me often. No, the last three times I've gotten breakfast there because I'm trying to learn to eat breakfast, but it just, it's not going to happen. Everybody just go ahead and know that I don't eat breakfast. <laughs> it's not. I actually cooked three eggs today. I can't. Scrambled them. Good. I'm glad. I'm yeah, proud of you. Yeah, it was really good. I was like, damn, I really miss breakfast in the morning. Like home cooking. Yeah. That's our biggest thing with our family growing up. Like it was never lunches. We didn't really have big mm-hmm. lunches. Like it was you snacked, you got breakfast, you got dinner. Yeah. And you snacked. And my parents made bomb ass breakfast. Mm. So I do love a good breakfast. We I love made summer eggs. breakfast. I love dippy eggs. Yeah, dippy eggs. What, Over, what are they called here? Over easy. Over easy. Yeah. I don't know shit about eggs. Maybe one day I'm working on it. I am. I have been you working are, on you're it. Doing a lot I've better. been killing it. But okay. And then if you're an at-home girl, wait, we didn't finish that conversation. Oh yeah, we got to go back. What are you at home? Uh, it truly depends on what I wake up needing. Because sometimes I wake up and I'm like, the thought of anything hot might put me 
into a coma. A coma. Yeah. Because I'm already, like, if I wake up hot, I cannot have a hot coffee. Yeah. If I wake up cold, hell yeah. Give me a hot coffee. Mm-hmm. If I wake up medium, go ahead and give me a hot coffee. My throat's kind of scratchy. Like, I slept with my I really mouth open. I really base it off my toes and my fingertips. If they're cold, oh. hot coffee. I was like, I'm sorry. If they're cold, huh? the cure comes out. If I'm hot, mm-hmm. then actually, and almost every day, then a pre-bought Starbucks chocolate it's like a dark chocolate oat milk i can't find that anywhere i've been um, looking cold for cold brew on ice is so i went to kroger i went good. to Publix. i can't walmart find walmart i just don't want to go all the way down to that fucking walmart time. it's so far away from me okay so no i have been loving i think it's called blitz blizzy busy b-i-z-z-y it's got z's and a b and a y maybe but for sure an i either way that's the name of the the brand and they have this Italian espresso that you can get. They have dark, regular cold brew, and then they have blonde cold brew. Mm. They come in like huge, huge, like 10 times bigger than the Starbucks ones that right. you can get. Holy shit, it's so good. And it's just like cold brew. Like you mix what you want in it. And if you know me, like I'm not a flavor girl with coffee. Like no. I am, but I love no, you want the, coffee the taste. taste of coffee. Like I, that's what I want. I want the, specifically, I want the taste of an espresso. An espresso. <laughs> Guys, I keep throwing, there was a cat fight outside a second ago. We had to press pause. I just threw the phone on the ground. Oh shit. Everything's um, dying. Everything's Our phones. <laughs> literally everything. IPads. It's so rough. But um, any, I lo- I went to the store and I was like, okay, because typically I get just either whole milk or heavy whipping cream, but like not even really heavy whipping cream. That's like if I am at the bare bottom, but I always mm-hmm. have heavy whipping cream in my kitchen, kitchen, refrigerator. But when I tip, like when I go get my creamer, it's the original one in that with the red top, you know, that everybody yes. always gets yeah, the yeah, French yeah. vanilla one. I always get the jug, like the gallon of the regular ones. I don't know. It's got a swirl. It might be Nestle. I think it is. It might be. Anyways, I typically get that. Nestle. Nestle. (laughs) I typically get that, and I put that in um, my coffee. But then whenever you have iced coffee, like, you need something else. Like, you can't just – it's good. Like, I like it when I get it from Dunkin' because their creamer is a certain – different it's a different type you know what i mean yeah and same with starbucks like i don't mind it because it's a different it's just got a different taste about it i don't know but either way so i went and i got the nut pot or nut pot or whatever it is they have oat milk and they have almond milk creamers and i don't like french vanilla dairy creamers but i like french vanilla flavored like oat milk almond milk coconut milk but it cannot be just regular creamer it's just too much hmm. so i got that it was almond milk one french vanilla and it was so good you have to try the oat milk one you know what i really want to start doing is making coffee ice cubes oh oh my god i do too i want no, nugget that, ice you can't even keep up with your sphere i don't even i literally don't even care at, at this point i'm done I, the only I'm, one that refills the ice machine in this house is me is you because honestly you're really the only one that, that uses, uses it. it yeah you're really the only one that uses it or if like we actually have a, a big bag of ice one in of my the thing best things in this apartment is the ice maker i mean yeah. i go through that if bench. i had an ice maker like we did when we lived together that was mm-hmm. the last time i had an ice maker <sighs> best time of my life 
And like your fridge is so nice. Like why is it that fridges got rid of ice makers? I it, no, mine has an ice maker. Oh, it just doesn't work. It's broken. We cannot get it fixed. We've gotten like we've had our landlord like send everybody out. It will not fix. They think that it's like bent on the inside. So she went back and got like money off of it. I'm like, why didn't we change it out? Yeah. Baby. Fixed? Can we please get it exchanged? <laughs> Can we get this fixed? I would love because it's got crunched ice, it's got cubed ice, yeah. it's got any type of ice you want, and I don't have it. But okay, I will say now after not drink having ice, because some most of the time, like if I'm in a rush, I'll fill up our ice tray with the tap water. But if I'm like thinking about it and I'm not in a rush, I fill it up with the filtered water. Mm-hmm. And that's the only ice cubes I can handle anymore. Yeah, because once, well, once my ice starts melting, the drink's done for me. Yeah, I can't, I can't be a part of it unless it's yeah. like Starbucks ice. I can do that. But like, I put so much ice into a cup that like the drink, whatever I'm pouring, will mold around the ice. Yeah. So like for my coffee, my ice cubes will turn brown. Yeah. If I poured this Gatorade onto ice, they would turn blue because mm. that's how much ice I put in. Like I'll fill it like top to bottom. Yeah, I want extra ice all the time. I love, I love a cold, cold drink. Me too, and I guess it's not good for you. What? I don't know why or like in the mornings or something like cold water. Yeah, you're not like, supposed to have like super cold things. But like in I'm in ice water to like But die. a neutral a new like a lukewarm substance in in your mouth in the morning is like worse than anything in this entire world. Yeah. Because it is so like if I'm drinking water in the morning it has lemon in it. Right. And especially, typically I do chug water uh, in the morning. Especially brushing your teeth. Why haven't we oh, developed God. a toothpaste that doesn't make you want to throw up every morning? No, I swear to God. So anyways, I got this app on my... Okay, so what led to this is I was like, you know what I need to find? Um, I, I, I need to find an app on my phone that I can use. And then I came home and I was like, you know what I have? I have an iPad that I forget about and it's shattered screen all the time. Because really, I only use my iPad to read books. new iPads. No, that's exactly what I was about to say. We need to get the big ones that have the things yes. and these that are better because the cat chewed mine. I will literally press checkout right now. No, no, I will. We'll press pause on this and I'll order <laughs> them right now. I'm not even joking. With the AirPod Max. But I, I want to go trade this one in. Like, Yeah, we probably could get something for yeah, it. Yeah, we could probably trade these in. But either way. But also, it could be a good like travel one so we don't fuck up the other one well because you know? I, what i like about this one is it's thin i need a thick one for work i what i like about this one being thin is that it's i can read my books on it yeah. that i buy on there like i really enjoy that but this one i found this app on tiktok it's called a journal and it's like a a capital a and then journal okay and it is a blue app with like the sketch of a journal on it okay it is the best thing I haven't been able to shut the fuck up about it. I love it so much. You can use your stylus. You can color code anything. You, It's compatible with your calendars on your phone. Wow. And like your computer and everything. So I combined all of the calendars, my personal, my work, like the recording, because there's like multiple ones within our calendars. It's the recordings, the releases, the meetings, the doctor's um, appointments, doctor's appointments for both of us. When someone's out of town, when someone needs to go do like can't do anything that day. Like we have detailed breakdowns and there's multiple versions of it. So I put all of those calendars combined, it, put it on this app holy hell it marks it out in the day for you and then it like gives you check boxes and like what do you need to do during this time i've never been so organized in my life and then i found out that there is like a projects page so i went over to the projects page and guess what i did i doodled no when she told me about this she goes so anyway this is what i've been doing today she pulls up like 20 of her doodles all black and white and she goes i said you did that by hand by hand and she's like these 
show them here i don't know if you can see them on the camera okay see each of those squares if you're looking on youtube that i designed each of those by myself it was ridiculous it was so much fun i'll do it every day honestly it looks really therapeutic it was it was and like you're so good at them like that is so impressive and you wanted printouts for your living room those might be your printouts you know what that's exactly what i should do it's so fun yeah when you get to like Feel like you're being productive and organized about something, even when you're like really not. I'm really excited for our new iPads. I know. I'm really excited. But we have to decide iPads or earphones. Both? Well, well, one has to come before the other. We got to spread them out. iPads? iPads, I think. Because I want it now. I mean, we don't have to get the big Maxes. We can get just regular pods. Oh, no. If we're going to get them, <laughs> we're going to get the big ones. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> all right, let's record. If we're going in, we're going all in. All right? All righty. If you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. Okay, Morgan, what do you have for us today that you're going to read to us in two weeks on your new iPad? On my new iPad? Because we just ordered them. (laughs) You want to talk about an impulse buy? (laughs) We literally said, creepy, let's order them. Let's get creepy straight to Apple. (laughs) Let's get creepy. Engrave them, creeps and crimes. Engrave the Apple pencils, M&T. We just wanted to be sure that the the write-off people knew. That this was Crease and Grimes' business. That this was Crease and Grimes' business. All right. Anyway, (laughs) today I will be covering the doomsday clock. If you don't live under a rock, then you know that our time here on Earth just got shortened. Well, at least according to the members of the Science and Security Board, when they moved the hands of the doomsday clock this past Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. Currently, we are 90 seconds from midnight. That is so terrifying i just like slobbered all over the wood from and i'm apologizing from from midnight but what on earth does that mean who are the members of the science and security board and what the fuck is a doomsday clock yeah questions that need to be answered that i will be happily to answer for you happily (laughs) Happily. i will be happily (laughs) doing for you today this is what happens when i script out on aaron's pc Okay. No, that's what happens when um, we buy iPads. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get to enjoy them because we're 90 seconds from midnight. Yeah, are you joking? 90 seconds? Totally screwed. And I hate that midnight. Like, why not make the doomsday 3 a.m.? Yeah, really. We Witching gotta, hour. We need to go ahead and call them. Yeah, seriously. Let them we know. should get on the board. Um, prior God. to this past Tuesday, I have never heard of such a thing as a doomsday clock. But I'm here to tell you that we have been on a countdown since 1947. The origin of the doomsday clock can be tracked down to a group of researchers involved in the Manhattan Project. Mm. The Manhattan Project was a research development that led to the first nuclear weapons produced in World War II. After the atomic bombings of Hiroshima, this group of researchers began to publish this newsletter, which then became a magazine called the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientist. Hmm. And this group is referred to as Chicago Atomic Scientists. Hmm. In the corner of each newsletter or magazine was a clock. And at first, this clock kind of represented changes and danger to mankind. But the Bulletin magazine co-founder Eugene Rabinwich would describe later what the first design really stood for. The bulletin, quote, the bulletin's clock is not a gauge to register the ups and downs of the international power struggle. 
It is intended to reflect basic changes in the level of continuous danger in which mankind lives in the nuclear age. Sorry, I have this huge knot in my neck right now. I was wondering what you were oh, doing. Oh, I'm like twitching over here and it like is like got Do me in a hole. Do you need to pop it? Why? Oh, guys, if you want to hear something really funny, um, right at the beginning of Morgan's, uh, what did you cover this week? I don't know. The ley lines. Oh, God. Right in the beginning of ley, ley lines, lines, you hear like in the background, and I heard it, I checked it on Apple Day because I was like, for sure this will get drained out through the passing to RSS feeds, you know? And I just thought I was being crazy because I edit with like earphones on and then I listen without earphones on to hear what it sounds like both ways. Guys, you can hear me crack my neck so loud. <laughs> and it was like, good, good, good. And I was like, what is that sound? You can probably hear my fingers sometimes. So, always. yeah, we we always are popping. And I didn't realize like we're how always left. Popping. We're, we're popping. We're always breaking it the fuck down. The talking and dropping it. Pop, lock, and drop it. I wonder if you can hear that crack I just gave. Probably. Um, so Eugene was the first founder and editor of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. He was a professor of botany and biophysics at the University of Illinois. And he founded Bulletin with a physicist named Hyman Goldsmith. Their purpose of this company was, or this magazine, was to take emergency action during the atomic age. These two, along with a number of other scientists, physicists, professors, etc., saw this immediate need for an educational program about atomic weapons. This was in the 1940s. Whoa. They were being developed, but the public did not know a single thing about them. So they wanted to create this merger of education between scientists and politicians on the relationship between science and national and international political divide and the dangers of nuclear weapons. Because when you think about it, when you narrow it down, scientists, they understand the dangers while politicians are like, that seems like a end to a mean, you know, right. like that's a solution for us. But they didn't go or I'm not saying all of them, but the majority of them weren't studying you know nuclear biomaterials well and especially at the time too yeah it definitely crazy. created a divide the scientists had no political agenda while the politicians had no like scientific agenda right. to understand the aftermaths and on top of that this company bulletin they felt the need to aid american people in understanding what nuclear energy is what happens if we use it or better yet abuse it mm -hmm. and that's another thing. The public was like, no idea. They just knew it would kill you. Yeah. You know, like they knew if they saw something bright come in the sky that it would destroy us. And it was just kind of like a propaganda thing when you hear nuclear. Right. This group of scientists working for the bulletin believed that the atomic bomb was the first of many dangers. They strive to be transparent to the public, to the elite, the importance, and the dangers of nuclear weapons. The bulletin's leadership consisted of three boards, including the bulletin's science and security board that had been popping up all over the news this week. The science and security board is composed of globally recognized leaders from all over the world who have expertise in nuclear risk, climate change, and disruptive technologies. But how did this magazine clock watermark turn into what it is today? The artist who designed the watermark clock was actually the wife of a Manhattan Project physicist. Hmm. And her name was Martle or I feel like it's Myrtle, but it's spelt Martle, M-A-R-T-Y-L. Hmm. At first, she contemplated using the symbol for uranium, but decided that if she went with a clock, it would relate to the public this sense of urgency mm, yeah. in which formed the doomsday clock. 
When formed, the doomsday clock showed seven minutes to midnight in 1947. The minute hand is just a metaphor for warning the public about man-made threats to humanity. As that minute hand gets closer to midnight, mankind gets closer to the end of the world as we know it. According to the bulletin, the doomsday clock is many things all at once. A metaphor, a logo, a brand, and one of the most recognizable symbols in the past 100 years. Midnight is really just another word for global catastrophe or apocalypse. Not Taylor Swift calling hers midnight. Yeah, that's fucked up. Oh. Well. Um, I just reevaluated that. I can't talk. I'm so sorry. I can't talk. What the That's fuck? interesting. Now I got to listen to every lyric of every song. Me too. Wow. So midnight takes all things into consideration. Nuclear threats, climate change, bioterrorism, artificial intelligence, politics, diplomacy, and energy. It is the members of the board's decision to judge how far or how close we are to midnight, aka doomsday. The clock is never set or like reset as real-time events go on or like every year, but instead the board members, they meet actually twice a year and they discuss global events and where we are as mankind. And it kind of gets added or subtracted of where we were the previous year. Okay. So like in 1947, say we were seven minutes to midnight, but in 1948, let's say we were you know, nine minutes to midnight. We did better as mankind. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they we gained time. Right. Like we were going in the right path. And then let's say the next year we decreased or I guess increased time and we lost time. And then we were back to three minutes. We lost five minutes because we were shitty human beings. Right. Basically, that's how the clock works. So here is the timeline of the doomsday clock. And this can all be read or received at thebulletin.org. In 1947, the initial setting of the doomsday clock was made seven minutes until midnight. In 1949, it decreased by four minutes due to the Soviet Union testing their first atomic bomb, resulting in three minutes until midnight. This was a huge jump. Yeah. Four minutes is a huge jump. Like, for example, this year we lost 10 seconds. This was four minutes. They were like, y'all are... You're pushing. You're pushing it. You're pushing it. In 1953, the United States tested their first thermonuclear device as part of something called Operation Ivy, which I feel like has crossed my research quite a few times. It has. And I've got to look into it more. Me and you Um, had a conversation about it. I think so, too. This resulted, so when they decided to test thermonuclear weapons, this resulted in a decrease of one minute. So now they were at two minutes until midnight. In 1960, the world did some good because we added five minutes to midnight. And the board members decided on this in response to the increased like cooperation, both scientifically and publicly, that we were finally understanding what nuclear weapons can do, like the destruction Mm of them, how... You have the counterculture movement coming forward, right. protesting war, yeah, and flower power shit. So because of this, we were moved back seven minutes until midnight, right where we started in 47. Three years later, in 1963, the United States and the Soviet Union signed the Partial Test Ban Treaty, and this limited atmospheric nuclear testing. And because of that, we got five points, making us 12 minutes from midnight Ooh. and i feel like we're like in this game of like harry potter like 10 points to gryffindor swear to god swear to god that's, that's exactly what it minus sounds like five points to slytherin you know like Literally. it's just like if you're bad minus from the house cop 
Yeah. If you're and good, the house cup is the earth. The house cup is the earth in your life. So yeah. good fucking luck, good I luck. guess. In 1969, five minutes were removed, making it seven minutes until midnight again. During this time, we had the United States involvement in the Vietnam War, the Indo-Pakistani War, the Six-Day War, and also at the same time, France and China were like refusing to sign the partial test ban treaty that the U.S. and Soviet Union had signed just a couple years prior. And they did. They were refusing because they were like trying to make it known that we're also in this nuclear arms race. Therefore, we're not going to sign it. And instead, we're going to focus on building and testing nuclear weapons so that we can be at the same level as you. Ooh. Ooh, but like you're a little late to the fucking party. Like, bro, fucking. Like, at this point, like everyone knows, like, no good. Nuclear equals we no good. We all left the pregame. And France you're and China late. are like, we're here to party, guys. I just want to show you that we have some. That we're still in this game. We're cool, too. Like, sit the fuck down. A year later, we increased by three minutes because every nation in the world, besides India, Israel, and Pakistan, signed the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. The only three countries that did not. Hmm. Therefore, we decreased by three minutes. Why can't everybody just sign it? Oh, I'm sorry. We increased by three minutes. Oh, because they, they did were sign like, it. good. No, they didn't sign it. But they were like, good job. The rest of the world, because really the threat at this time was the United States and the Soviet Union. Yeah, we're the number one red flag. Yeah. Got to be. And real. then France and China finally got on board, I guess. <laughs> After their little like flex muscle flex. After they had to literally put on every designer thing that they owned they strut somewhere. Big dick energy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this made 1968 10 minutes from midnight. In 1972, the United States and the Soviet Union signed the first strategic arms limitation treaty and the anti-ballistic missile treaty, giving us brownie points and putting us back to 12 minutes until midnight. But in 1974, we lost three minutes because India successfully acquired and tested their nuclear device that is known as Smiling Buddha, which is an interesting name choice. I just. That's like against everything Buddha stands for. Right. What's that missile in the sky? Oh, that's just the Smiling Buddha. Poor Buddha. Poor Buddha. Poor Buddha. Poor buddy got wrapped in all that shit. I mean, what if what if we called our (laughs) smiling Jesus? Jesus. And also during this year, the United States and the Soviet Union were modernizing and advancing like different types of war vehicles, like reentry war vehicles. So we go back. So, yeah, we went back three minutes. Yeah. Um, In 1980, it was seven minutes until midnight. And this was 35 years after the start of the nuclear age. And at the time, we were expecting a lot of promise. Like, we're 35 years past, but Mm -hmm. unfortunately, (laughs) we weren't. The United States and the Soviet Union still viewed nuclear weapons as this, like, very important integral component of their national security. And this stalled progress and discouraged the bulletin members. And this is a quote from the full statement of the Doomsday Clock Report. So every time the clock is changed, an entire report goes out as to why they came to these decisions and this is one of the quotes for it and i had to add it in because it's kind of fucking iconic the soviet union and the united states have been behaving like what may best be described as nucleoholics drunks who continue to insist that the drink being consumed is positively the last one but who can always find a good excuse for just one more round this is the pettiest 
the pettiest, most iconic <laughs> case you've ever. Not the nucleoholic. The nucleoholic smiling Buddha. <laughs> no, like, like the man of the world. This is the pettiest shit that ever, right? ever walked this earth. <laughs> A year later, we lost another three minutes, making it four minutes until midnight <laughs> in 1981. Because the Soviet Union had invaded Afghanistan, making the United States kind of jump back into this nuclear lifestyle and also that same year before president jimmy carter left the office he had pulled the u.s from the olympic games in moscow and that is just not really a friendly worldly reminder and it's gonna knock a few points off of the doomsday calendar yeah and we're like hold on we're hold on you guys enjoy your time over there with the olympics we're going to work make, on our nuclear lifestyle yeah and to reassure that you know that we're going to literally pull us from the Olympics. Right. Great decision making. And this like fire again underneath the nuclear war intensified with the election of Ronald Reagan as president. We know a lot about all of this. Reagan kind of just disregarded any talk of arms control and he proposed that the best way to end the Cold War was for the United States to win it and to win it brutally, basically. Yeah powerfully we needed to be the top guy top dogs yeah. to him in 1984 we got one minute closer to midnight three minutes to midnight because tensions between the soviet union and the united states were escalating and again ronald reagan was fired up about being this powerhouse and winning this war by pushing that arms race aka the nuclear right age i guess the Soviet Union and its allies, except for Romania, boycotted the 1984 Olympic Games in Los Angeles as a response to our boycott of the 1980 Games in Moscow. In 1988, the clock was moved back three minutes because the Soviet Union and the United States decided to chill the fuck out and sign this Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, making it backtrack to six minutes until midnight. Oh my God, U.S., it's we're involved in every decision. We of the are the drama. No, we are the problem yeah period in 1991 we were the safest mankind could have ever have been according to the doomsday clock when we moved back seven minutes the furthest away from midnight since the clock started 17 minutes from midnight what year was this 1991 wow and this was due to the dissolving of the soviet union hmm. we lost a total of eight minutes between 95 and 98 that was a quick turnaround due to global military spending in this like kind of like a tit-for-tat show of aggression between India and Pakistan, along with a lot of other issues going right. on. A lot of other wars. A million other things. Yeah. In 2002, the United States rejected numerous arms control treaties and announced its intention to withdraw from the anti-ballistic missile treaty due to their concerns of a nuclear terrorist attack because of the amount of nuclear weapons and materials that were just unsecured, unaccounted for worldwide. And this was following 9-11. So I feel like that was kind of like... Fair. Fair. But at the same time, how the fuck are you losing nuclear weapons? Right. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's weapons. I think it's like materials, materials. that should be monitored heavily. Yeah, but if you lose all of the ingredients to make meth, then you don't have meth. Right. You've lost what the purpose of having that. I don't know why that's what I chose. For some reason, I keep thinking about the clan. I'm, I'm all about Barry Seal in my head right now still. Always. I can't get it out. I'm thinking about the clandestine or whatever, the clandestine, whatever they were, <laughs> things. But like, if you get rid of the ingredients to make your brownies, you don't get the brownies. Yeah, exactly. 
In 2007, we grew closer to midnight, making it six minutes until midnight. And this was in response to North Korea's rampage of nuclear testing Mm -hmm. and the threat of climate change coming to light. This is when climate change starts to really take a place in predicting the doomsday clock. In 2010, we went back being six minutes from midnight due to the United Nations Climate Change Conference that resulted in a lot of countries agreeing to take responsibility for carbon emission and they agreed to limit global temperature to two degrees celsius Hmm. so because of that we moved back a little bit but in 2012 we lost a minute making it five minutes until midnight and this was because there was no political action that was addressing climate change and countries were at this point stockpiling nuclear weapons and resources and no one was taking into consideration nuclear power safety like tests were just kind of like everywhere yeah and we're already everybody's talking about the end of the world right yeah on top of all that shit yeah Yeah. in 2015 we lost another two minutes making it three minutes until midnight and countries still were just not addressing climate change we as in the united states were modernizing nuclear weapons alongside with russia and then the problem with nuclear waste again was not being addressed in 2017 we lost half a minute 30 seconds due to president trump's public comments over nuclear weapons and the public disbelief in climate change that was led by the trump administration and again this is from the bulletin and the scholars this is not no we're not even going to make a comment yeah no comment in 2018 we lost another half a minute reeling in two minutes until midnight lots of factors led to this decision but specifically when the united states withdrew from the paris agreement the joint comprehensive plan of action and the intermediate range nuclear forces treaty I'm sorry, I had to backtrack. Um, I do want to have a comment. The fuck? Yeah. We don't believe in climate change. Oh, you don't see it? <laughs> you don't Because it was 75 of the icebergs just float. Like down, the one yesterday off. that was the size of London that just floated off. Yeah. I, yeah, I have plenty of comments. Yeah, me too. But about climate change. That's one thing like I will I will fight. For I will fight yeah, over some climate too. change. Me too. And I've always been like there was never a point that I can remember. I don't know if it was our education when we were younger, but there was never a point for me in my lifetime that I didn't believe in climate change. I feel like we grew up seeing the polar bears yep. polar bears on melting ice caps. The Mm-hmm. ice caps melting in general the atmosphere and the a, ozone a ton layer of things like, going extinct we yeah we that was definitely like uh, i i feel like it was more talked about as kids so yeah. i feel i never have ever had an issue with i think it's probably from the 90s change. and the 20 and the early 2000s when all those documentaries were coming out showing how bad it was yeah that were probably created in the early 1990s right. like started filming which is when we were able to move back because of the amount of you yeah know, So um, besides the withdrawal from these agreements and treaties, warfare threats were also increasing and we began to acquire other dangers from disruptive technologies such as synthetic biology, artificial intelligence, and cyber warfare. And that was in 2018. In 2020, we lost 20 seconds, making it 100 seconds from midnight. This was due largely to the failure of world leaders to deal with this increased threat of nuclear war, such as the end of the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty between the U.S. and Russia, as well as increased tensions between the U.S. and Iran, along with the continued neglect of climate change. Mm -hmm. This was the first time that the doomsday clock announced in units of seconds instead of minutes. (laughs) I got chills. I did too. And this past Tuesday, we lost another 10 seconds, making it 90 seconds until midnight. 
This was due largely to the 2022 Russian invasion of Ukraine and the increased risk of nuclear escalation. Russia also, as we know, brought its way to the Chernobyl and the Zaporizhia, I think that's how you say it, it, nuclear reactor sites, which violated international protocols and risked the widespread release of radioactive materials. North Korea also resumed their nuclear agenda when they launched a ballistic missile test over Japan in October. The climate crisis is still real and growing. And of course, we had to take into consideration the biological threat, COVID-19, that is still lingering in the air three years later. Even though the doomsday clock is simply a metaphor, its warning to humanity is very, very real. Um, With this new update, we are approaching midnight or the end of the world pretty soon if things don't change and that is my segment on the doomsday clock no but really yeah for what for why right for who for why no really. no no truly for what like what are we doing i don't i'm get, getting this i don't understand you, you've got they're, they're like that's why nasa's freaking the fuck out trying to find a planet that we could survive on right because we have literally i saw irreputably irreversibly damaged i I saw this tiktok of um planets from like pictures of planets nasa images from 2000 comparing them to 2022 Mm -hmm. and earth looked so fucking dead yep it was had so much more blue less white ozone layers clouds Mm -hmm. atmosphere um, more green and then it was actually north america south central america and south america that was the picture of the globe mm-hmm. that was what earth's was facing the camera and in 2022 you can see that like us north america is very um brown yep we same with south america mm-hmm. our atmosphere is increasingly white like it mm-hmm. was just so fucking sad it's pitiful and like i just want to give earth a big hug no i get really torn up about earth's feelings yeah and then guys i don't know if you saw this i don't know if that this is like for real for real i don't know but i read this article that you know the core like the center of the earth how it's like that little fireball looking thing it's like metal right okay it's sort of turning the opposite way it's just going haywire no because it's broken it literally can't it, it can't we've literally made it to where it can't breathe the earth cannot breathe yeah if we were to like tie it up it's what we've literally done we've suffocated it Mm -hmm. with everything that we put out in the universe and meanwhile we're still like let's test missiles your missiles fucking work okay they They, fucking work if they worked a year ago they're still they're fucking good my god let's stop with that (sighs) it's just really fucked when you think about the entire doomsday clock and truly like what it stands for earth and how people are treating each other Mm -hmm. is truly what it comes down to how people are treating each other and how people are treating earth and poor earth poor earth we love you bestie my god bestie what can we do for you do we need to cancel the podcast is the technology hurting you i'm serious right now no my heart hurts for you we have no idea truly though what actually they're like you know recycle okay right i mean and 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 the issue is is that you know okay so your household recycles right but the 15 surrounding or the every other household in Knoxville is like, well, I'm not fucking recycling. Why the fuck? What difference recy- does that make? No, truly. And then it's like, like I get the whole composting. Stuff. A little bit of difference goes a long way. Right. I get that. But wait, do you pray? Then stand. What's the fucking? 
What is that? One hanging hand another. Get it on, on and on from fucking Disney Channel, where they from were all High singing. No. Oh, when they're all recycling. Yes, and it's like Sorry, Nick Jonas blurry. and all of them. One hand get here another. God, what is that song? I don't it, know. I know it. It's at the tip. It of my was tongue. iconic. I mean, I, that, I remember that one being like, "Oh my God, Mom, go get we the blue trash can." Go get the fucking blue trash can. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but whatever you said, it came out of me. <laughs> it just immediately came out. No, that's what we're talking about. How, no, like, what What does it do for one house when 15 others don't? Right. And, like, what is Starbucks changing their, to the recycled straws? What is that doing? Right. I just need receipts. Yeah. What what is it? What is a straw going to do when their entire cup is plastic? Right. I don't get it. Me neither. And like plastic, I don't get I don't get plastic either. I don't get why everything just can't be recyclable. Right. Why haven't we learned how to recycle certain things that aren't recyclable yet? There is so many things that make no sense to me about systems. Like systematically, everything is behind Nothing makes sense. And it could so... Or they know how to do it and they're just like, fuck that. Who has money for that? It's all fucking money. Games. But it all literally... It money for what? Okay, all you have to do is... trillions of dollars. <laughs> I mean, no, we hit the debt ceiling. Um, no, but I'm not even talking about money. Like, it's as simple as saying, okay, on... When we come pick up your trash, you know, we've got... The, this day, we're coming to get all plastics. This day, we're coming to get all compost. It's just sick. This is sick. Fuck. All right. How do you even fix it? I don't know. If someone would give me a good solution, we'll try. I would. Let's tr- try. Let's make. Let's dedicate the month of February to try to be green girls. Yeah. Let's do it. How do we do it? Reusable bottles. Okay. Creeps and crimes challenge. Creeps and crimes green girl challenge. Let's green do it. goal. Green goals challenge. Let's do it. Okay. So number one. Everybody, when you get your coffees, whether Starbucks, whether your Keurig cups, whether they're your Nespresso cups. You can take a reusable to Starbucks and say bake it in this. Mm -hmm. When you go to Dunkin', you're going to bring home anything that's plastic, like bottle caps, these bottles. We'll be sorting. We're going to put all plastic in one thing, and everybody's going to figure out where the recycling center is, and we're going to start with plastic. Let's start with figuring out where the recyclable center is because I don't know where it is in Knoxville. I know where it is. You know, like I don't have recycles that pick up at the apartment. No, but no, really though. I really do want to do the Creeps and Crimes plastic green gold challenge. Everybody recycle your plastics and see how much you can collect from all of February. That'll be a thing too. I'm going to go get like one of those huge like storage containers. I'm going to get one of those and I'm going to put it in my kitchen and anytime there's something plastic that I need to throw, I'm going to rinse it out and I'm going to put it in there. And you can look on the bottom and it'll tell you what number it is. The bottom of your cups, what? like these, um, the little the triangle thing at the bottom, mm-hmm. there's a number on the inside, like these Gatorade bottles. I think they're seven. No, they're one. One, one. They're number one. So those go in number ones. So you like kind of sort them ones, twos, whatever. Most things like this. I learned something new every day. I had no idea that was My that. mom does uh, plastics. That's the only reason I know that. Wow. But that's what we'll do. Your red solo cups, they have a number on the bottom. Put those in there. And everybody send us at the end of February. We'll think of a giveaway. We'll do a giveaway for something for the person who can send us the biggest picture. But if you've already doing it before, don't fucking lie. 
how much you can collect in February and actually go recycle. I want to see Email a video it. of you putting it in the recycling bin. Email only. Email only. <laughs> Do not dare. But you can post like your progress on, and tag us in your stories on Instagram and we'll share it. Because I would love, love that. that. All right. That's a green gold challenge. February Creeps and Crimes green gold challenge. Fun. I love it. Let's save Fun. Earth. We're going to save Earth. So today I have a case that was actually recommended to us by Chelsea. And it was sent to our email. I don't know if it was from our website, but thank you, Chelsea. This is the case of Crystal Searles. And I want to give you guys a trigger warning that this case involves S.A., R., and children. December 30th, 1999 was one of the biggest days in history as everyone was preparing for the 24-hour mark that would turn into 2000. Everyone on the earth was preparing to ring in the turn of the millennium. Champagne glasses and party supplies were sold out at nearly every single store. Just west of Del Rio, Texas, in the Guajia Bay subdivision, 10-year-old Crystal Searles and her 7-year-old sister, Mark, were celebrating with a sleepover at their best friend's home, 13-year-old Katie Harris. The Searles sisters were staying with the Harris family while their mom, Pam, packed up their home in Kansas and was moving the entire family to Texas. Because Katie's father was out of town that day, in the home that night were Katie's three siblings, Sean, Justin, and Lori, Katie's mother, Mrs. Harris, and the Searle sisters. Katie's room had bunk beds, but Crystal did not want to share her top bunk with her little sister. Fair. Mark said, okay, well then I'll just sleep on the floor. But the older girls wanted to have the room to themselves that night. So after a serious sisterly argument... Mark went to sleep in the spare bedroom just across the hall, and the entire house was asleep. Sounds relatable to Marley and my cousin Victoria, who I was never allowed to sleep with, and I always had to end up sleeping with my Aunt Jackie, and I'm so traumatized from being left out of the big girls club. That is traumatizing. Thank God I was the big girls club. Yeah, period. (laughs) At approximately 3.50 a.m., and now the early morning hours of New Year's Eve, 1999, Crystal was awoken by the sound of her best friend Katie muffled screaming. Quietly, she peeked her head above the bunk to see Katie struggling with what looked to be a tall man, as he was, trigger warning, sexually assaulting and stabbing her 16 times. My God. Crystal knew that she could not scream for help because the man had not seen her yet. And she later said that Katie's eyes met hers and she basically told her with her eyes to stay quiet and lay down. So she laid there, frozen, in the top bunk. The man had his hand over Katie's mouth as she fought through the assault and the stabbings. But then he put the knife to her throat, slicing it, and she fell to the ground. That is horrible. He dropped Katie on the middle of the floor and began walking out of the room. He made his way to the door. Crystal watched with her eyes, anticipating her next move. When the man turned around. Oh my God. Making direct eye contact with her. He rushed towards her and grabbed Crystal, putting her on the floor beside her friend as she struggled, holding her hands around her throat to protect herself. When the man demanded in a harsh and violent voice, to move your hands. Crystal did, and just as she moved her hands down, the man slit her throat, leaving her as she bled in the floor beside Katie. 
Holy shit. But by some miracle, Crystal was alive. She was in so much pain, with blood pouring down her PJ shirt. But she knew the only way that she would survive was to play dead, slumped down on the floor. Once she heard the man shut the door behind him and turn off the lights, she peeked out of the corner of her eyes to see that he was gone, and she began crawling towards Katie. Katie, at this point, was struggling to breathe, gargling and gasping for air. But when Crystal hugged her and tried to tell her that it would be okay, she couldn't speak. Moments later, Katie stopped struggling and died with Crystal by her side. She couldn't scream. She couldn't speak. She couldn't call for help. But she knew she had to move and get her sister. Crystal ran into the spare room across the hall where Mark was asleep. She was shaking her, trying to get her awake, but she couldn't talk. And Mark wouldn't wake up. All Crystal could think was that the man had killed everyone in the home. So barefoot in her pajamas with her slit throat, she stumbled as fast as she could to the closest neighbor's home, which was a quarter of a mile away. Holy crap. Once there, Crystal banged on the door as hard as she could. And this was at approximately 5 a.m. According to the Dallas Observer's reporting, inside was retired military officer Herb Betts. He looked through the peephole where he saw Crystal standing. He quickly opened the door, realizing that she was covered in blood and she was showing him her throat, but she could not speak. Herb said that her eyes did all of the talking for her, though, looking at him, pleading for help. He rushed her inside his home and called police just after 5 a.m. and gave Crystal a pen and a piece of paper. As he is talking on the phone with 911, she was writing notes that read, The Harrises are hurt. Then... Tell them to hurry. And finally, she wrote her last note for her, a question. Will I live? Before she lay down on the kitchen floor and the shock set in. Herb, still on the phone with 911, sat beside her, combing her hair, comforting her, telling her that she was going to be okay. She was going to live. He later told the Dallas Observer in an interview that he didn't believe anything that he was saying. She was in terrible condition, and he thought she would not make it off of his kitchen floor. Police and first responders rushed to the Harris home and to Crystal at Herb's, immediately taking her to Val Valverde, I believe it is, emergency room. There, she learned that her trachea had been spliced open. Doctors and nurses were able to stabilize her there. However, it was such a small local hospital that they could not give her the necessary treatment that she needed to save her life. Therefore, their best option was to life flight her to San Antonio University Hospital. But to do this, they had to have parental permission. At 6 a.m., Pam Searles, Crystal and Mark's mother, received a phone call from the ER where Crystal was being stabilized. They told Pam that Crystal had been attacked and her throat had been slashed and she needed to be flown to San Antonio as soon as possible. In a panic with no time to ask questions, Pam said absolutely and jumped in her car to be with her daughters. At the Harris home, police searched the house room by room and they were shocked to find that Miss Harris, Sean, Justin, Lori, and Mark were all asleep, completely unharmed, in their beds. Investigators woke each of them up, ushering them out of the home one by one after allowing them to get shoes and clothes on because they couldn't come back into the home, but also because in the hallway there was a massive trail of blood on the floor and on the walls. 
And in Katie's room, their sister, daughter, and friend was lying on the floor behind the door, pronounced dead upon arrival. The entire family was sobbing, frantic, and panicked as the news was broken to them in the front yard of their home. Miss Harris immediately called her husband and he rushed home from his trip to be with his family. Kayleen Joe, who went by Katie Harris, was 13 years old. She was a beautiful, smart young girl and very well liked by all of her peers. From the crime scene and Katie's injuries that were evident, it was clear to Texas Ranger Detective Johnny Allen that she had fought bravely and harshly for her life. And there was hope that she would receive justice through the recount of her best friend, 10-year-old Crystal. However, at the time, no one really knew the extent of Crystal's injuries or if she would survive the surgery. But one thing was for sure, Crystal, just like Katie, was a fighter. She had shown that through her brave actions that night to get her friends and her sister help. When Pam arrived to the San Antonio hospital where Crystal was, she rushed to her baby's side. Waiting for her there with detectives was seven-year-old Mark. After being reunited, they made their way to Crystal's room. She had just come out of surgery and was connected to a breathing machine. Doctors told Pam that Crystal's windpipe had been cut open and her vocal cords had been scratched by the blade. Crystal was beginning to wake up as Pam comforted her. Once Crystal realized what had happened, where she was, she immediately began asking for Katie, telling her mom that Katie stayed with her as she went to get help and showed her where to go and helped her fight through the pain. She later realized that this was her spirit. Oh my God. Pam couldn't tell Crystal anything. She was terrified of what could possibly happen to Crystal if she would go back into shock. So she just began telling Crystal to stop talking and wait for police to get there. But she didn't want to wait. She wanted detectives there right then. She wanted to tell her story and she wanted to catch the person that did this to her and Katie. Texas Ranger Johnny Allen, along with other investigators, went to the hospital and sat down with Crystal in San Antonio. She recounted her and Katie's night. They had stayed up late talking, but fell asleep eventually. Crystal woke up to a scream and realized that the lights were on in the room. She carefully lifted her head when she saw a man at the end of her bed. He had dark, long, scruffy, curly hair with a scary, thick, long, bushy beard that covered his entire face. But then she saw Katie. They made eye contact. She was covered in blood and the man had a knife across her throat. And with his other hand, he was covering her mouth. Crystal watched as a man slashed Katie's throat and she fell to the ground. Crystal laid perfectly still and flat, frozen in fear in the bed, following the man with her eyes as he slowly made his way to the door. He put his hand on the light switch to turn it off but then he turned around, which is when they made eye contact. He began barreling towards her. She began scooting to the far side of the bed away from him. He reached over the bunk and grabbed her, forcing her to move her hands, and then he slit her throat, leaving her on the floor. She just laid there, waiting for him to turn off the lights and leave, playing dead. And once he did, this is when she called, crawled to Katie, laying by her side, rubbing her back until she stopped struggling. When something, or now we know, as Katie's spirit, told her to run. Crystal told investigators that she couldn't get the man's face out of her head. So they immediately called a forensic artist from Midland, Texas, and flew her to San Antonio, where she was taken directly to the university hospital to meet Crystal one day after the attack. The artist used Crystal's detailed descriptions to create a composite sketch. 
When Crystal saw it, she was so shocked because of how similar it looked to the man who had done this to her and Katie. Using this sketch, police compiled a photo lineup of known criminals in the area and took it to Crystal later that night. She looked at each of the photos one by one and did a double take at one man. According to Texas Ranger Johnny Allen's interview with CBS News, she just stopped. She took her right hand, slowly lifted it, and with her index finger, she pointed at his photo. That was him. Tommy Lynn Sells, the now number one suspect. Investigators hopped in their car and began driving the two and a half hours back to Del Rio, contacting the Valverde County Sheriff's Department as they had handled accusations against him in the recent past, and they had all of his information, like his address, where he lived with his wife and their four children. Oh my God. At 5.30 a.m. on January 1st, 2000, investigators knocked on Sell's front door to bring him in for questioning. This is two days after the attack. He opened the door, investigators walked in, and according to CBS News, Sell said, quote, Man, I'm glad I finally got caught. I was tired of doing this, end quote. Adding, you're lucky you got here when you did. I already sold the car and was just waiting on the banks to open so I could get my money and get out of town. Oh my God, sick fuck. Immediately, police told him that mm, you're under arrest and you're under the arrest for the murder of 13-year-old Kayleen Katie Joe Harris and the attempted murder of 10-year-old Crystal Searles. He told officers that the knife he used to attack the girls was an 11-inch butcher's knife that he had had for years, which is why it was an extremely thin blade because it had been sharpened for so many years. And he told them where they could find it, in the bushes behind his house. At the Valverde County Police Station, Sells gave a full confession, and he agreed to walk them through the crime scene. He said he walked around the sides of the home planning his break-in when he found that a window had accidentally been left open that night. He climbed through the window and began walking through the home. The first room that he came to was one where he saw just a singular girl sleeping alone. It was Mark's room. But then he turned around and he saw the bunk beds. So he decided to go into Katie's room. Tommy Lynn Sells was arrested and charged. Investigators put him in the back of the car and made their way to the jail. He was quiet for the most part, but then he spoke, saying, I guess you want to know about the other murders. Oh my God. <sighs> Tommy Lynn Sells and his twin sister, Tammy Jean, were born in Oakland, California on June 28, 1964. At 18 months old, both Tommy and Tammy contracted meningitis. Tommy was able to survive, but Tammy did not. Because of the medical bills, the loss of Tammy, and the already harsh financial situation that his mother was in raising her other children, Tommy was sent to live with his aunt, Bonnie Walpole, in Holcomb, Missouri. He stayed with Bonnie until the age of five years old, when his mother learned that Bonnie was actually in the process of adopting him. So she picked him up and he began living once again with his siblings and his mother. Trigger warning. At around the age of eight, Tommy began spending a lot of time with this man named Willis Clark that lived down the street. And he actually went to live with him out the direction of his mother. Clark gave Tommy food and shelter, but it was at a price. As Clark would sexually assault and molest Tommy daily. He said that his mother knew of this and allowed it to continue, forcing him to stay with Clark. Meanwhile, Tommy was constantly being bullied in school for speaking differently, failing most of his classes, and his living situation, which is where Tommy, according to Michael Stone's writing in the book The Anatomy of Evil, learned to level the playing field through violence. 
Eventually, he dropped out of school after eighth grade and he ran away from home, hitchhiking, train hopping, and drifting across the United States at 14 years old in 1978. He would commit crimes such as petty theft to eat, and he would be violent towards men and women that resembled his abuser, Clark, and the woman who abandoned him, his mother. He worked many jobs, but none of them lasted long, mostly manual labor, due to the fact that he had an excessive drinking, drug, and several imprisonment charges on him. In 1990, at 25 years old, Sells was in Wyoming, where he stole a truck and got caught. He was sentenced to 16 months in prison and required to have a psychiatric evaluation. According to Mike Amdot's recording published in, I'm sorry, reporting and research published in the Radford University Department of Psychology's database, Sells was diagnosed with a variety of things such as substance abuse disorder, severe opioid, amphetamine, and alcohol dependence bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, psychosis, and a personality disorder that consisted of antisocial, borderline, and schizoid features. After serving his time, he was released and made his way to Charleston, West Virginia. There he began panhandling with a sign for work and food. On May 13, 1992, 19-year-old Fabian Fabian Witherspoon pulled over for him and offered to make him some food at her home. He got in her car and they went back to her home, where she asked him to wait on the front porch. She went inside, made his food, and was walking back to the porch to serve him when she found him standing in the doorway. He asked if he could use the restroom and she turned to show him where it was. Then he grabbed a knife from her kitchen and forced her into the bathroom with him. Trigger warning. It was there that he attempted to rape Fabian. She began fighting fierce, fearlessly for her life, escaping out of the bathroom where she grabbed a ceramic duck and began beating him over the head with it repeatedly until she could gain control of the knife. She took it from him, and she turned it on him. She stabbed him in the abdomen multiple times, nicking his liver and kidneys before sticking it in his testicles. Nice. Nice. But Cells grew stronger with his pain and anger. He was able to grab a piano stool and beat Fabian over the head with it, and he tried to flee, but his injuries were too serious. Therefore, he was sent to the ICU and arrested. Fabian was rushed into emergency surgery for a large gash in her head and a cut through her hand. Sells took the plea deal on malicious wounding charges and only served five years behind bars. Oh, my God. While in prison, he married a woman named Nora Price, and when he was released in 1997, they moved to Tennessee together. But later that year, he left Nora and began drifting once again. However, those were only some of the crimes that he committed, a.k.a. the only ones that were on record. When Sells told investigators in Crystal and Katie's case that he was willing to confess to all of his crimes, they had to set up a time to formally interview him so it would all be on record. And they actually allowed 48 Hours correspondent Harold Dow to sit down and interrogate with them. Wow. Which is the first time that a journalist was allowed in an interrogation room. Police just knew that they were dealing with something way bigger. Right. So they needed help getting traction for any other victims. For hours and hours on end, all of the officers and Harold listened to Tommy Lynn Sells as he talked about each of his victims in every state that he had drifted to. Men, women, and children. He was a cold-blooded serial killer. And when they asked him why, he just wanted to. It's fucking sick. 
It took an entire nine months for investigators to collect details on every single murder Tommy was confessing to, after which they confirmed that he had committed 22 total murders, but probably more, with his first murder taking place when he was only 15 years old, during a break-in where he claimed to have found the homeowner, trigger warning, sexually assaulting a young boy. In his rage, he killed the man and told the boy to run. He also confessed to being the killer of the Dardine family, which is a cold case from 1987. And there was enough evidence to back up his, his claims, but I'm going to have to cover that at another time. When asked why he targeted the Harris family, it's because he had been watching them at church and secretly befriended the dad. Oh my God. Sells was sentenced to life in prison and to death. Good. In Allen B, I don't know how to pronounce this, B unit outside of Livingston, Texas. But in November of 2004, November 8th of 2000, no, I'm sorry, not 2004, 2000, he was received by the Texas State Corrections Department. The state's attorney in Jefferson County, Illinois, declined the charges against Cell for the Dardine family homicides from 1987 because most of the things that he admitted was public knowledge at that point, number one. Despite this, investigators wanted to bring him to Illinois and resolve their doubts about this. But Texas refused because in Illinois, there's no death row. Oh. So he, they didn't want him to get charged with all the other 22. So that way he could take his sentencing for this one. On January 3rd, 2014, at Del Rio, a judge set the execution date for April 3rd, 2014. Sell's death sentence was carried out at Texas State Penitentiary in Huntsville, Texas. When asked if he would like to make his final statements, he said no. And a lethal dose of pentobarbital, what, pentobarbital, was administered. He took a few breaths, closed his eyes, and he just began snoring. Less than a minute later, he stopped moving. How fucking peaceful for him. Minutes later, at 6.27 p.m., he was pronounced dead. Crystal Searles her family, and the members of the Harris family attended the execution. I would love to go through, and not love, but in terms of being able to say their names and tell their stories and give them justice, go through every single one of the victims that are known. But the only there's only about three that there is a enough information on that I could find. So I wanted to wait until a little bit later when I could do a lot more research into it and pull up some archived articles to be able to give you the entirety of it. So that way we could tell their stories correctly. So we'll eventually do that in the future. But what a badass crystal. No, for real. A Literally. fucking fighter. Literally. I also am just kind of pissed off about the Dardine. What? How do you say it? Uh, Dardine family. The Dardine family. I feel like there should be a law where if there already was a sentencing for some fucking sicko like him, a serial killer, mm-hmm. and he also is like pending charges or could be involved with another crime in a state that doesn't hold the death penalty, which is mm-hmm. his current sentencing, it should overrule. Yeah. As the death sentencing should overrule. That's like, what yeah, we'll extradite said. him to Illinois. Yeah. But he comes right back once you figure out what you need to figure out. And then he comes right back to us. And investigators said, like, that's why they're not charging him with the other 22 because they they didn't. There was enough to connect him to the majority of them. But specifically concerning the Dardine family, that one they couldn't confirm, despite the fact that there's a ton of evidence that 
connects him to it. Mm-hmm. Like he was there at the time. He was living in the area, all that. But and actually, I think one of the surviving family members identified him. I wonder if he always leaves one surviving. Because I, I mean, he went well. He went into that house with the intention of not the whole family. Well, Crystal. So, like, I, I wonder if that was a pattern for him. So, Crystal took the stand in the trial and testified against him to his face. While she was there, he took the stand. At one point, he pointed at her when they asked him a question and said, "No, I thought I killed that one." And then he said, "My plan." He said, "I thought about killing everybody, but." It was going to be too big of a mess. Just sounds like a some sort of pattern. Like the one he killed the homeowner, left the son. And then Mm -hmm. the Dardine family, they had a survivor. Mm -hmm. And then this one, not that Crystal was an intended survivor, Mm -hmm. but the rest of the family, he didn't bother. Right. I just, that's. Yeah. Most of his motives were sexually motivated. Fucking sicko. I can't. You did a great job covering that because that was hard to cover. It was hard, but we needed to talk about someone that was like crystal we haven't done in a minute because those are some of the hardest cases Yeah, she's a badass yeah like uh denise amberly 10 years fucking old 10 10 years old. old 10 years old she has the power to sit with her best friend with her own throat slashed comfort her best friend as she takes her last breath then go check on her sister try to go wake up her sister and then realizing oh my God, what if everyone else isn't here? I got to go get them help. Runs a quarter of a mile with a bleeding neck down the street Mm -hmm. to what happens to be just a guardian angel. Like people like, we've had one in our life. Like just this random man that just showed up at the like right time, at the right place, said the right things. Like he just, those people are truly guardian angels. Yeah. And like. Like I don't think they're human beings. No, I truly don't think that I've ever, I will ever see them again. Like they are not real on this planet. Mm-hmm. Like they were put there in that second. We got a picture of ours though. Yeah, we do have a picture. I invited him to the wedding. But like serious to God, like the, and another example is that, of this is like when my grandmother had a stroke in the Ollie parking lot, she's getting in her car and she had a stroke and just so happened this woman pulled up beside her and she was a fucking nurse and worked in a, a stroke, what is it, stroke unit, like rehabilitation center mm-hmm. and immediately knew the signs, picked up my mom's phone, pressed call in the most recent call and it happened to be my mom, called 911 on her phone while talking to my mother and got my grandmother everything. We've never seen that woman again. I don't even mm-hmm. know her name is. She was just like a guardian angel. Yeah. These stories. I know. They always fuck you up. Oh. Well, guys, we started off a little crazy. We got a little crazy. Um, we had a little rant that we definitely took out. And <laughs> then sure. we got real sad. What is today? What is this the what day is this? Is it February, February yet? Is this February? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think so. February 2nd. Happy February. Happy February. Love you. Bye.